welcome to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, where an artist and an economist walk into a podcast and talk about strange things that make the world go round. This is the first, despite our promises, this is actually our first uh, episode of 2023. Uh, so January slipped us by, but hello, Stephen. Hello, Anne. I'm sorry that we've we've um, we, we've turned this podcast into a house of lies. <laughs> I, for one, would believe nothing we said forever again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, we, yes, like all December, we talked about New Year's resolutions. We were like Christmas resolutions. Like, ah, yeah, we'll be back and we'll be better. And I mean, we're scraping this into February. We're, we're getting in under the, under the radar just about. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and, I, and I also like, like, you know, with apologies to Will, like I, 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 I think I was like, uh, last weekend, I was like, "Oh my god, all my children are gone!" <laughs> and let's go for pints. And you're like, "I'm a Dublin dude." I was like, and we were like, "We should also record a podcast." <laughs> Absolutely, and also, I mean, let's face it. Well, we could have been a nice comfort people in January, but January is a tough old month. And um, look, we survived it. Spring has sprung, and we're here it to talk stuff. Definitely sprung. Oh my god, it has definitely sprung. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so uh, uh, as I was saying before we started recording, uh, I am in the purchase. I'm in the, the process of uh, selling a house, uh, which is the one I live in, and buying another one. And um, the process, uh, the, both processes are extremely like long and complicated and whatever. But what is really interesting is like you you walking around your house mm -hmm. and you're you're seeing this thing that you I've lived in this thing for seventeen years. Wow. And I'm like, oh my god, I live in a kip. <laughs> completely like it's I, it's a fine house but like it's it's just like I, I see every flaw on every wall right and i'm i'm just like oh my god and and it's a disaster because because you know because you're thinking oh my god people are going to come in and they're going to notice that 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 cobweb in that corner they are not going to notice that you know it's it's going to i but i can't like get it out of my head you know <laughs> and so i i've been like painting radiators and doing all this kind of nonsense for the last couple of weeks but anyway one, the the spring is sprung thing my garden is a disaster because I'm just mm -hmm. not not a garden person. My actual garden is north facing. It's just a bit of a dump. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, ah, you know, <laughs> make it beautiful, ah, you know. And, <laughs> so so like, it, if you are viewing, if you if, if you find your yourself viewing Stephen Kinsel's house, you can remember this conversation and start driving the price down. Go, dude, this place is a dump. <laughs> <laughs> See his previous conversation about him being a lord of lies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of spring being sprung in our garden now. Like, actually, like I planted a bucket load of stuff. There's loads of there's loads of color in there now. But it it was a bit like three D clinical depression there in early January. So yeah, yes. if the garden. If 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 my garden was any um uh, reflection on the world, uh yeah, maybe the maybe the January podcast was best missed. Best missed. Well, the other thing I I remember having this realization about spring cleaning because I think you know wait the older you get like that, the more about your surroundings you become. And I think it's something to do with the angle of the sun at spring. Suddenly you see every speck of dirt yeah. and, and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to clean my house. Whereas in the winter, it's like, eh, I can't see it. <laughs> There's only a little lamp burning in the corner, burning. Not Everyone's a little like, everyone's like a frog under a rock, you know, hibernating away, <laughs> waiting to spawn later on, you know, the ground when the sun's up. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> my rock is filthy. Oh, look at this. <laughs> the sun is shining on it. It's a weird angle. Oh my god, oh, no. that rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, but no. yeah, spring is sprung. It's it's 2023 and um and you're moving house, Stephen. I mean, which is quite a thing to be doing, I think, any time in your life. But you know, there's a there is a big conversation at the moment around houses. So if you're listening to this. Woohoo! Stephen's house is available. Yep, yep, it is indeed. You can go find it on Daft. Um, uh, and in fact, there's a viewing tomorrow. There um, you go. But, <laughs> which will be of no help to the people in this podcast because <laughs> quite later. But no, it, it, what, what is fascinating about it, and look, it'll be grand, but what, what's fascinating about it is um, the opacity of the process. You're not totally sure what's what's happening at any time. Yeah. You know? And... Um, yeah, it 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 it, it is a, a very opaque process filled with, you know, a lot of um a lot of like weird fees and stuff that they just sort of pop up. They're like, oh, you owe us this now. You're like, do I? You're like, yeah, yeah, you do though. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um and so I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky and uh, in that I've got a, a brilliant solicitor who's who's um, you know, she's she's minding me, but um it's a it's a it's a strange process but, it is, um, yeah. but but you know um the the um, the world we live in is is a world where lots of people can't get houses so you know you got to recognize it's a it's a privilege to be able to do it you know um, yeah. Abs- absolutely um and and, and this is something because you know we live in in the world now obviously where I'm just full of profundities this morning, but we live in a world where the, I mean, I think housing is always a question. It's always, it's always a huge, um, subject matter. I mean, my, it's funny. I have this memory. I don't know if you know the comedian. He's not a comedian. He's, he's kind of a activist singer with political and comedy about him called Jinx Lennon. Nope. Uh, he, he wouldn't really have been like on the radio. He'd more be a, a live performer and, uh, but he's from is he from Cavan or or Loud or somewhere? But he's uh, <laughs> I remember he had a song around the time of the uh, the Celtic Tiger, and it was like houses, houses everywhere, houses, houses everywhere. It kind of speaks, you know, and sings, and it was just this idea that there's so many houses and ghost estates and no, no, no mm-hmm. one to put in them, and now we're like suddenly there's none, there's not enough, yeah. and. I mean, I'm sure there's. I'm sure people like you get understand this, Stephen. I I don't, um, because it doesn't seem like that long a time ago, yeah. and and we also have this extra layer now of um, of refugees needing refuge from war, mm-hmm. war zones, and uh, you know we're lucky in our lifetimes. Uh, Ireland has never been under threat that we've had to leave, but uh, we've tended to be. The place where a lot of people want to come because we're a little island and i mean what are the thoughts on this because there's so much rhetoric there's so much extremist um uh, what do you call it broad strokes and people you know saying really horrendous things um mm. but even around suddenly the lack of houses and then I suppose the myth the mythology around refugees coming and taking everything or not taking everything or the, the talking points. So it, w- what's really interesting is for about, depending on how you count it, either 180 or 220 years, you know, most Irish people left the country. 
right? So, so the, 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 what was really interesting was Ireland's population fell. Um, it was actually falling before the famine, but it fell from about 8 million um, around the 1840s to, or, or to just over 2 million in the 1960s. And when, um, you know, people talk about, so, oh, you know, Fianna Fáil built loads of houses in the 1940s and 50s and all that kind of stuff. The reason that they were building those houses was to keep people, was mm. to stop them from leaving. And there's a brilliant book by uh, uh, one of Ireland's best um, uh, uh, best uh, public intellectuals. Her name is Michelle Norris, and she's a professor of social policy at UCD. She's absolutely brilliant. She wrote a book in 2006 called um, uh, Land and Property in the Irish Welfare State. And she shows really clearly what happened. So everywhere, everywhere else in Europe, the poor migrated to the cities. And the, and the governments then built big welfare states around the cities. So there were big high rises and lots of density and lots of public transport and schools and parks. Everything was integrated into the cityscape, right? Mm. Um, and, and, the, and the rural areas were depopulated as a result. In Ireland, the exact opposite happened. Because of the land uh, uh, commission and the land reformation, the breakup of all these big uh, English estates into little Irish smallholders, literally the farmers who had been farming the land anyway, um, mm. were just given back that land, do you know? Um, but then it was like, oh my God, we have to keep them on the land because they just got it back. So the welfare state then went into those rural areas and you started seeing these tiny little rural schools everywhere and, you know, there wasn't any busing and all this kind of stuff. And it was very, very built around the idea of keeping small farmers in their small farm plots. Mm. With the result that if you look at a, a roadmap of Ireland from space, and look at it looks like they look like veins yeah you know um uh, look at the same roadmap for the same rural area for the same population density in france it's totally different there's no roads there are tiny little roads here everywhere because the little roads were built by the by the local authorities to get to allow farmers to get into their lands mm. and there's nowhere like nowhere like uh ireland anywhere in the world for this kind of thing so we've always had this weird relationship to land and it, it a lot of the time or certainly pre-Celtic Tiger um like in the 90s uh, when we were growing up um in the 80s the big problem was people were leaving you know yeah. um the signature cultural moment there uh, uh it wasn't it wasn't at the time but 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 it was it was reminiscing on that was like the commitments yeah you know, massive dole queues and everybody waiting you know and nothing happening and the place being really poor um and uh you know then like anyone could get a house because people were just lashing up houses you know but and it was quite a corrupt thing the the corruption around planning was where a lot of the tribunal stuff came from so then um it, the 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 Celtic tiger happened and then the crash and then we had this weird moment where we had too many houses right but the big change between let's let's say, let's say 1990 and 2010 was our population it was growing really 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 quickly so we think we have like 5.2 or 5.3 million people here remember in the 1960s we had like two, two that yeah. population is growing and growing and growing and growing and growing but also what's happening is the household size is falling okay so people now they live in houses of like two parents one kid mm -hmm. that's it we have we think we think in our minds that we need like big houses with all kind of loads of rooms or whatever but actually 
in Europe and, other, uh, and uh, elsewhere, we don't. Ireland has the, the largest number of excess rooms in Europe. Where okay. you've got loads of these people and they're rattling around massive gaffes, right? Um, and the reality is that they were in Europe, they would just have a much smaller footprint. That's just life. Um, so it's the dream. The Irish dream is to have like a 12-bedroom house with, 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 with 16 acres around you, nobody to bother you, you know, sort of maximally libertarian vision of the world. Anyway, whatever, we built too many houses. And then the population was still growing, household size was shrinking, but then we didn't build any more for, for like eight years. So we built 90,000 houses in 2006, um, which was an extraordinary number of houses. If you think that we're hoping to get to 29,000 next year, right? Like if you think about the difference, right? So population growing, household size falling, no houses for like a decade. And then it's like, oh no, <laughs> what are we going to do? So the price of houses explodes. They're, they're, Oh, another thing, sorry, one other thing that's changed is it's actually much more expensive to build houses um, because they're better regulated. Oh, mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, they're, they're much better regulated. Um, so that means if you built a house today, right, if you built a house today, it has to have the, the leaf between uh, the inner leaf and the outer leaf of the building. There has to be a minimum of 150 mils of really high grade insulation there has to be insulation in the floor and ceiling the, the the windows have to be a minimum of double glazed you know ba basically you fart and you've heated this thing you know yeah um, you compare that to a house built in the 80s where basically they like licked a bit of newspaper and stuck it up on the wall and that was <laughs> insulation you know um yeah you know it's it, it, it's quite a it's quite a different thing it's quite a it's quite a different thing you know um, yeah, because it, it can be hard, certainly, to get. I mean, this is why you study and are employed in the world you're in. Because I think when you're, you know, you can't see the wood for the trees and you're in a society, you're like, I don't understand. There was too many. Now there's too few. How is this possible? Whereas you zoom out and you see, well, this happened and that happened. But it, it can just seem, um, I think, it, like maybe I'm, I'm obviously, we see the world through our own eyes and. I think our age group particularly, um, let's face it, early early 40s is kind of ending now, Stephen, isn't it? We're, we're healthily in the mid, but, you know, yeah. pe people who are in their 20s in the late 2000s, early noughties, um, mm -hmm. you know, all we were told to do was buy houses. That's what you yep. do, and then you're sorted. And it was a, an absolute lie, and I have so many friends who were saddled with debt and negative equity, and thankfully... Decades. Thankfully, I was an artist then. I'm an artist now, <laughs> and I just couldn't afford to, you know, <laughs> what was they said? We ran, we we lost the run of ourselves. It's like we didn't know. We were told to do that. We were told. Yeah. We were being advised by banks. People didn't lose the run themselves. But this was people trying to be secure, and I hate that rhetoric that people were mad and buying houses. Like, no, you were told this was your future, solid and secure, and people followed that advice, and then were being blamed for. Uh, at fairness, and some people, some people tore the, tore the arse out of it. Like there were, there were, there were, yeah. fellas, there were fellas driving cabs with twelve houses. It was a bit much. Like oh no, there are, there are, but they weren't my friends. Like my friends, um, yeah. who I think of, yeah. who you know got crazy high mortgages because that's what they were being told to do. You know, um, they weren't buying a load of houses. They were buying one that cost a gazillion. You know, um, so but yeah, sure. 
Um, of course, that's the case, and and we'll always want to see me gaff in Bulgaria, you know. <laughs> and you're like, uh, no, thanks, Frankie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, Frank, I, I know I'm, I'm not I'm not giving a hypothetical. Frank still has his house in Bulgaria. Fair play to Frank. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair Frank, he's, he's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but, he, he, it's a it's a lovely part of the world. It is. Know? I I so I hear, but but yeah. but with then now our situation and obviously at the time of recording you might be listening to this in any time in the future where spring hasn't sprung and uh you know all of this is sorted but just the weekend gone there was a huge uh march in dublin uh saying ireland for all which was to go against this right-wing anti-immigration anti-refugee rhetoric that's that's really I would say it's having a big place on social media and uh, it's probably overrepresented on social media. Like the reality is you see the size of the crowd last Saturday in Dublin, which was in the, the tens of thousands anyway, as opposed to a few hundred angry people in Bedford Row Limerick. Um, not even, not even a hundred. Um, so like economically refugees coming into the country, there's obviously a lot of ramifications and there's a lot of, I, I know this is exactly your area. Stephen, but like, what what are what are some of the thoughts or some of the you know the realities around yeah. that? I mean, so I guess the, the first thing to note is like we Ireland, or as I said earlier, has has been a a place where you have net outward migration, right? Yeah, so people are always coming in and going out of every country, but the way we the way we look at it is is it net inward, net outward? So you take away. Like if 100 people come and 200 people leave, it's net outward 100. Right. And if you yes. reverse it, if 200 people come and 100 people leave, it's net inward migration. Yes. For Ireland, for like literally almost 200 years, we, we had net outward migration. People were leaving the country in droves. Yes, right? of course. You know, and the, and the only people who were like arriving were, uh, um, you know, the, the odd doctor to get trained, this kind yeah. of thing, right? And and people, a lot of people from England, in fairness. So the re- position in the 2000s reversed. Now it's we had net inward migration, and we had people who were basically coming to fill out our tech sector and to build our houses for us, right? And and those those were the two big blocks. And then you know we we had, we had people coming to to staff universities and so forth. Those that trend has never really reversed. It reversed for like two years during the worst years of the crisis when people did flee back to their countries and stuff. But but by and large, uh, people have been coming into Ireland now um, fairly regularly for over 10 years, which has exacerbated the housing shortage, right? So it's yeah. not a right-wing thing to say. Yeah. 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 That's an important point. People go, oh my God, that means... That means he's right, you know. That no, no. It's if you've got a hundred houses and hundred and ten people show up, and then another ten people show up from somewhere else. That's hundred and twenty. The, the the price of the house is going to rise, right? That's that's not <laughs> right wing or left wing. That's just maths, right? Yeah. And so, um, uh, in order to cope with this, Ireland has been building more apartments, right? Mm-hmm. A- apartments around cities for people who are who who are there. Um, and the the idea has been that some of these uh, 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 groups will you know come in, do live here for a couple of years, and then leave. That'll be grand. And um, uh, uh, although there is a very interesting, um, very interesting talking point on the left, actually, 
that these uh, should people should be considered as transients and therefore not not counted as part of the mix right okay i find it very interesting like like the idea is oh well they're not from here therefore we don't have any duty to them do you know what i'm saying and that's a left wing uh, that's a left wing position we should look after you know communities they talk about communities okay yeah. okay and, yeah uh, it's an interesting thing and then on the right the exact same talking point is the country's full go away you know yeah we need to look after our own first which is actually the same thing okay uh, same idea yeah right? which is uh, privileging one class of person over another that's yeah. all that's all any of this stuff is yeah. so anyway um the 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 when migrants come to a country they come for one of three reasons right the biggest by far is that they are what are called economic migrants that means they come here for a job when people come here for a job they pay taxes they buy things they make the world better because they're generally high 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 enthusiastic high enthusiasm high productivity high risk taking they're, they're, you you kind of always want economic migrants and then we break those in, down into two categories skilled and unskilled i hate these categories i just have to tell you it drives me mad um as somebody who's who like fails at diy like i literally <laughs> fail like i was i was trying to like fix a crack in a wall and i like it looks worse now right <laughs> but like i am i am and i got my mate i got my mate who's polish <laughs> to do it you know? <laughs> and, but apparently like i'm skilled and he's unskilled do you know what i mean like it's yeah. ridiculous yeah you know, you know that the person who made this skilled versus unskilled occupational category like had like a phd and 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 and, and two left feet you know yeah. <laughs> they, just, they just couldn't do it anyway whatever um economic migrants tend that they come they pay taxes and they very often stay with the and, and they 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 um they uh raise their kids here yeah. so the, the best uh best studied case is uh in um miami in florida so you had the migrants the the, the forced migrants that came from cuba right but they basically like they, they rocked up to miami and they they didn't work their asses off in, their, in doing anything right um but then they educated their kids and then the kids all went to medical school <laughs> it seems to be the case they all went to medical school same thing for asian migrants in in in, in america so the, the migration experience in the us is very well studied hmm. ireland not less so so economic migrants you've got a second class of migrant which is which is they're they're effectively forced by some circumstance so this is not like an asylum seeker or something so if you come over like if you're my mom and you come for a job mm. i am your son i don't have a choice right i'm for some reason or you're part of a family or something like this these people generally do not add to the economy at all why because they're kids they can't work you know <laughs> thankfully they wouldn't stick them down a mine or something um but they're they're generally there doing their thing right uh, but then they 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 go up right they grow up and they become irish and these are the new irish these are kids that came over from uh, from Zambia, uh, uh, Rwanda, and Poland, and everywhere else. And now they're like, hell yeah, my name is Bob. 
You know, I'm Irish, but I'm from Nigeria. And you hear these fantastic accents coming out of people's mouths. You know, you expect them to sound some way, one way, and they sound another, and it's brilliant. Like, yeah, you know, they're deadly at GAA as well, and they're all you know running for Ireland, and it's class. Like, oh, I love, I, I, I long to see, I, I long to see more of that at the GAA. You know, like just the remember we had Jason Sherlock in the '90s who would have been. Um, mixed racial parentage and, yeah. and and he stood out but uh yeah are we get you know denise chyla or we get yeah. you know perfect example perfect yeah, example yeah, right yeah. Denise chyla right you know there 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 you go right um uh didn't make the choice to come to ireland or dad, dad's a, a neurosurgeon dad's a neurosurgeon dad came dad made the choice mm. he's rocked up there you go uh but now now I, I i actually don't i actually i've never spoken to her but but uh, I would imagine that if you asked her now, like, where are you from? She'd just say Limerick, wouldn't she? Or oh, she's in Ireland. Listen, she's got a whole song about it. <laughs> no, 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 no. She has an amazing song about where are you from, from. And even in, you know, she even says, you know, I am um, Moaka in Zambia. I'm Denise in Ireland. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, she, she yeah, really yeah. examines that, the complexity of, of her identity but absolutely she's like we come from the 061 do you know what i mean like so yeah yeah so. yeah uh, but yes sorry um, yeah but 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 she's a perfect example of that mm -hmm. uh, uh for some for some reason brought along and again there tends to be a 20-year lag um um for for those kinds of uh migrants to become economically productive um in other words they're paying taxes and doing stuff and all that the third group is the group that's you know they don't have any choice they have to come here because um, they are fleeing the war or they're fleeing persecution or there's something like this. So we, there, it's very interesting hearing the language around this in, in all cases, right? In all cases, you have culture war, culture wars are play, being played out, um, by these things. And I, I think what we, we talked about this in a previous podcast, there's this basic idea that like you are being fed talking points by the world, right? Mm. You just have to examine them. Like on the trans debate, we talked about this the last time, the trans debate, you always hear a lot about like, oh, you're trans athletes and all this. You, just where does that come from, right? You're being fed a talking point from a particular perspective. Just examine the talking point. And, and just and just all you have to do is transpose one part of the argument to see it's false. So you never hear about trans accountants, trans economists, right? It's And, and the minute you do, you're like, well, that's just some fella sitting in a room typing, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, the balance sheet didn't work there, Jim. Fix it, you know. And, <laughs> you know, like it's. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Just, yeah. Just taking it. So, so, same thing with the culture wars. You know, illegal, illegal asylum seekers. That is impossible. It is impossible to be illegal and an asylum seeker. Right. It's just it's just impossible. But that talking point comes from a particular place. Transient. That comes from a particular place, right? Mm. It's all about it's all about ingraining and allowing you or forcing you, or even not, not forcing, but without you realizing the flow of an argument has come into you and you haven't really figured it out. Yeah. Right? Haven't really figured it out. And I think that's the key. Um, if if you are not examining these talking points, you could find yourself saying some fairly weird stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's the bit where I'm like, oh, okay, we 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 do want to, we do want to fix this. So, um, when when it comes to the to the asylum seeker debate, 
the reality is, you know, on a pure economic basis, you would absolutely not accept these people mm -hmm. because they cost money. Yeah, it costs a lot of money. Half the hotels in Ireland are full of them, right? Um, and and we're spending a lot of money. Uh, we're giving the money to the asylum seekers, but also to hotels and, and other uh, uh, vital services, right? But it's just money, and it's not you know it's 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 not for uh, it's not forever, and it's not for everything. The the benefits of asylum seekers are very 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 well studied. So um, when I studied in America. Mm -hmm. at a place called the new school for social research that was set up by a bunch of uh, intellectuals who were seeking asylum from nazi germany right wow. and it was called the first name of it was the university in exile um, and they changed it they called it uh they called it the universe the, the new school for social research uh later on but in in the in the um 40s i believe but anyway the 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 when people come they bring their ideas and ideas are free, right? When you come and you treat people well and they stay, in general, in general, they make things better. Right? Yeah. So even though there were net economic costs, and again, I, just to be clear, like it's not a right-wing talking point. <laughs> like it's not, it's, you know, or a left-wing one. It's just, they cost money. They don't work or when they can work. And actually many of our Ukrainian um, uh, uh, visitors are working. Um, some in 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 the University of Limerick, in fact. Really? Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Uh, well, Ukraine is a highly educated society, right? I mean, somebody if somebody told me, would you like some of the best trained economists in uh, in the world to kind of work in work in UL? I'd be like, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> yeah know? yeah. Um, but we have a skills shortage here, so yeah, of course. You know, um, so there there there, and we have um scholars who are visiting and we they, we can't pay them because they're PhD students or whatever, but we put them up, you know, we let them use our labs uh, to continue their thesis work, to do their experiments and that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, you know, there was a brilliant talk um, only two weeks ago by this fantastic architect uh, who is using his architecture skills to document war crimes in Ukraine because wow. yeah like it's it's class working in university is class it's objectively class because you're never you're never bored it's always awesome and mm. you are great for that kind of stuff anyway because it's very um uh like the culture there is like it's not very uh what's the word i'm I, i'm using the wrong word here but it's not like snooty do you know what okay I mean? yeah yeah we're yeah. just like come on in you'd be grand do you know yeah and, yeah and i think sometimes that can come across as not taking things seriously yeah, because when you get like the ambassador for X or the, you know, president of Y coming by, we're like, and you come for a scone, you know, and they're like, what, you know, but we're just, we just kind of like treat everyone the same. And it's, it's, it's really good, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, tomorrow I have to talk to these, um, I'm, I'm going to talk to a bunch of um, uh, Mexican um, uh, uh, diplomats and businessmen and stuff, you know, and there was, you know, the protocol officer was all this and stuff. You grand, come in for the scone. Fine, come on. And like, oh, no, yeah, you're grand. Come on. You know? <laughs> um, 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 so and, and which you you feel in many ways is a very Irish attitude. Do you know it's a very deeply ingrained that that kind of casual, uh, inclusive, as I say, non snooty thing is very much in yeah in yeah. the Irish nature. Which which is interesting. We talk about the, the the bigger picture, which is what what's been discussed at the moment. Of oh, you can't let people in, or, or like the, the fear. 
I mean, I think it look, people's fears are valid. Um, they're coming from a place of a, a lot of people who have these who, these concerns are very disenfranchised, feel very, very abandoned, yeah. feel like they haven't been taken care of. And that's that's fair, you know, not 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 the entire gang, but that's where they're the people I feel who get targeted by these thought like by these kind of um right-wing groups do you know what i mean that's what gets appealed to is your fear your paranoia your feeling of being left out and and look and now they're giving your stuff to someone else you know and yeah, yeah, yeah. this is what we saw in the brexit referendum yeah. so the idea in, in brexit the idea was oh well we want to limit inward migration and the reason we want to do that is as we uh, in in communities where there are very low levels of of inward migration the Brexit vote was extremely low. Where it went from like zero to one, it was quite high. Right. Because people were like, oh, no, no. You know, they, yeah. where it would all where it was already high, people were integrated and it was grand. Yes. Right? So there is something about seeing uh, you know, quote unquote foreign people there and thinking, Oh my god, they're gonna, you know, clog up the schools, they're gonna clog up the hospitals. And if you're per particularly if you're somebody who uses state services a lot mm. you go oh hang on a second they're they're not just taking from the pot they're taking from me yeah yeah very easy it's a very easy narrative right it's a very easy narrative it's also the case that um people are being resettled in like more rural areas mm. you know they're being they're being basically resettled anywhere there's a space yeah because again not a right-wing talking point but like they're just isn't enough accommodation mm. we have we currently have a situation where uh i i at the last count i believe it was 171 asylum actually intense right so they're coming here fleeing a war and it's like sorry we have nowhere to put you you know you know and that's 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 the situation that we're in now mm. um, the policy response is really interesting. So we can do things like, you know, build modular accommodation, but the last two planning permissions for those were struck down, right? People, people objected. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the objection thing is really interesting. Uh, like it is really interesting. I, I really want to do some work looking at this. Why do people object? Objections are important, right? It's important in a democracy that you're able to say, no, look, I actually, you know, there are valid reasons why thing X shouldn't be built near me. Yeah. Right. But lots of those reasons are not valid. Yeah. Right. They're like, they're not They're You know, um, some of them are like, you, you know, the sewer pipe is not big enough, right? That is a completely valid argument because yeah. more people, more sewage pipe, not big, make yeah. pipe big. No problem. Yeah. Pipe not big problem. And these, this does, but that's not a reason to stop. It's just, a, it's like, you need to make the pipe bigger when you're building more houses, right? That seems like a reasonable objection. The, you know, uh, it, 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 there's always a bat or a, or a, a snail that, that can be, that can be found, you know, oh no, no, building these houses near me would molest the snail and things would go badly. You know, there's always a snail. Um, I'm, I'm being facetious. Of course, environmental issues matter, but you know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're, 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 they're um, I think when it comes down to it, uh, quite simply, and this isn't me being, um, this is someone who lives in a, the city centre, uh, you know, I think when it comes down to it, you just don't want that near your house, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? That, like, that's what it comes down to. You, 
you find your reason. Um, but find your reason, exactly. But when it comes down to it, the objection is, I don't want whatever that development is near me. And, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, and that's not, also, that is not a, uh, <laughs> a criticism or a position. It's literally an observation, you know what yeah. I mean? And and sometimes that those objections are, are really valid and sometimes they are based in, in 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 a, in a particular kind of rhetoric, but um, yeah, yeah, and I I think as you what you're saying is like like we love well especially newspapers like certain types of red tops love to make things really binary and good mm -hmm. bad good or bad evil saintly angels demons you know and it's such a dangerous rhetoric for something that's so nuanced and so like current and living and around us and to be kind of just flinging out these uh extremes which you feel oh well most people see through that but not when it comes to your day-to-day -day life and your fears if it's appealing to your fears then you see a, you see a headline and it's it's terrifying you know it, and, and the thing about ireland is you know we have up to this point kind of escaped the right wing left wing divide thing right most people are kind of in the center you just want to get on with things they're grand but it's starting to come in. We're starting mm -hmm. to see this. And it is a worry. Like it is, it is a worry because this, this far right, far left thing is very pernicious. Mm. And like, you know, I don't want to equivocate between the two. There is not there. Like the difference is, you know, far right people tend to throw bricks through people's windows and stuff like that, you know, mm. and the far left, they, they, they tend to have a different approach. But so I'm not equivocating. My point is, in general, most Irish people are kind of centrist. They kind of just want to get on with their own thing. If it's the case that the current government is not able to supply that, then people are going to get worried. Mm. One thing that I'm quite worried about is a situation where the current government pushes itself right in order to cope with what they're seeing. Because we actually do have a centre-right coalition, right? Well, um, yeah, and, and that's our, our politics has, well, has never been left and right. It's been civil war. Yep, exactly. And now it's like, uh oh, hang on. There's a constituency of people who are like, hang on a second. Maybe all the Ukrainians is not the best idea. And I can get votes by doing that shift to the right a little bit. So you're starting to see this, you know, oh, we're going to send asylum seekers back faster. We're going to send, you know, these these kind of talking points are coming up from our government. You're going right, okay. So they want to be seen to respond to what they're obviously hearing on the door. Mm. This is another important point about us that maybe it doesn't happen in the UK or maybe anywhere else. Our politicians are are in the face of the public every single week. Mm -hmm. Every Friday, most TDs are getting shouted at by somebody. You know, every single Friday, like like the idea that they're in some remote, walled off elite. The Taoiseach of the country has to do office hours in his constituency you know it doesn't matter what's going on so like that is they they are very close to the mood of the people yeah um and i think that that is something that we um we tend to forget politicians are, they tend to be you know fairly linked up with that if that's where the public mood is um, and, and, the, and the public mood is kind of going, all right, okay, so we have, we don't really have the ability to house um, these people. Sure. Like, we just don't. Um, and it seems like building more 
stuff to accommodate them is going to be very tricky, right? Uh, if you have a uh, refugee policy that is essentially go on booking.com and see what happens, like, that's not going to work. Long no, term. no, no. Yeah, my, my, my thoughts on this, they go back to like communities, right? Where communities have been, um, where communities have been kind of included in these discussions, they tended to go on well, you know? Yeah. Um, but but uh, where they haven't, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a powder keg. It's one of these things, we know what the effects are going to be long term. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's, I think, quite a good point to, um, to finish on really is talking. Talking is where it's at and continuing to talk. And, and rather than getting hold off our silos and our echo chambers and especially <laughs> social media, you know, Talking to each other is where it's at and realizing, you know, you can completely incorrect view of the mood of people if you only look on social media. So get talking, folks, like be like me and Steve. Talk yeah. stuff. Roman. What, a, what a what a note to end on as even we will be like, OK, it's 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 Pancake Tuesday in our today for us, uh -huh. uh, a day that rhymes with my name. I quite like it. Uh, but we will take we'll swear on the pancake <laughs> that we will we will be good podcasters and give our listeners an episode every month and that, that is going to happen that is that's going to happen. happen and in the that's, meantime good luck with, my buttery pancake <laughs> good luck with showing people around your house and mm -hmm. uh thank you as ever for the marvelous insights take care thanks a million You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Eric Fitzgerald. Theme tune is performed and composed by David Blake. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. You can now follow the show on Twitter at Anne Steve Talk. Get Stephen at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne at Anne Blake 78. That's an Anne without an E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post.